to your weekly corner spatey. It's uh, Rob and Kieran. Mm. Yes, the Polish coalition. Mm. Um, the ancient friendship between France and Russia coalition. Yeah. Long time allies. There you go. I was about to inform you that Poland also tried to do a colony uh, in Africa. Really? Yeah. Um, Where? Oh, mm. What's that stupid bullshit river nation in the West? That's just like the river. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, wait, you mean Senegal in the north? No, no. Like yeah. it's literally just the river and it just moves with the river. And there's like a whole nation that surrounds it. Um, shit. I'm on the spot now. Yeah, this is the Europe podcast. <laughs> it starts maybe to Push, no other places. Pushing outside of our boundaries. Yeah, here. really. I have been thinking a lot about uh, instead of EU brained Kieran, Africa Union brained Kieran. Mm, just yeah, following all the latest developments. There's an African version of me somewhere. Yeah, from Madagascar, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, 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 that's living in the big city. Ooh, yeah. Someone from Madagascar who moved to like, I don't know, Johannesburg, Nairobi. Sure. sure. Nairobi that's a that's a I, I've heard is a nice place to to live there um shit Gambia is it Gambia oh actually I think you might be right I think that's I think it's like the country that just follows one river yes no you're right Senegal surrounds the Gambia that's yeah, yeah 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 they tried to have like a colony on the mouth of Gambia yeah oh, yeah okay. uh it it sucked shit and didn't work like now the way colonies when they're successful also suck shit yeah. <laughs> but like there was a german colony in venezuela yeah yeah, yeah. the weird His, like uh, philip or one of the habsburgs was <laughs> in debt to the you know the german <laughs> banking families and they're like you can just have venezuela and yep. they called it like noia venedic or something jesus yeah and they were apparently so brutal that they like the spanish came back in as like the good guys <laughs> I mean, of course, that's oh, very relative, but you know, uh, I'm sorry, definitely not the good, no colonialists. Or like, good guys. yeah, but that's the story at least. When uh, uh, when Spain comes in and they're the good guys, in I Latin mean, America. German and bankers running a Klein Venedic. Uh, yeah, no, that can't be Vez good. a colony or a Vezeland. Yeah. Hey, we could, it was for 1528 to 1546. We could do a whole episode on like the stupid failed colonies. Yeah, I know that's why Scotland isn't independent anymore, because they bankrupted themselves in um, Panama. Oh, oh, I th- I've heard, I heard that actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that forced them into the act of union, basically, of like uh, merging. Uh, yeah. Hmm. All right. Yeah. We should talk about things <laughs> that we've done research on. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it's very funny to just like derail what's going to be a very long episode. Um, yeah. So this week. We're talking about France in West Africa. Hmm. Um, little teeny bit of Russia. A little bit of Russia. In Africa. A little bit of like EU, AU nonsense. Mm-hmm. A little oh, bit yeah. of... Uh, we are, I, I've been doing British pate voice. <laughs> so I guess that's the connection. Yeah. That's but the, like, that's... it is a French company. Really? Yeah. That's why oh. it's British pate. Ah, pate is, there you go. That's why it's a yep. rooster as their symbol as well, because it's French. What's with the French and the roosters? The roosters are like, Napoleon. That's their animal. Did Napoleon have a rooster? I, I have no idea where it comes from, but that's their animal. Yeah. Like every country has an animal. <laughs> yeah. Huh. So the, the, the cockerel. Yeah. The British by voice to me is like, we talked about, uh, I think it was on the stream. Yeah. The, um, like the evil EU, like our evil EU ideas, mm-hmm. one of which would be each country competes to break records held by other countries. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, like, yeah. Like literally, like a British pate doing being like a wrestling announcer voice for France <laughs> and Russia duking it out in the in the ring to yeah to like have, win the Sahal yeah hegemony or you know yeah economic connections across yeah. the continent. We'll, we'll 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 get to we'll get to Russia a little bit, but like I'll let Rob lead the episode a little bit. But I guess the the the, the scene setting for this a little bit of context is possibly that there was <laughs> like an AU African Union European Union summit. Uh, this in week. the windswept lands of the Sahel, <laughs> <laughs> filled with a hearty and mysterious people. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Whatever Ooh, the music starts, <laughs> whatever British Pate says that people are mysterious. It's like, you didn't bother to ask. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like, basically what happened there. Um, yeah. So, God damn it, the AU EU summit thing is like which is this week. 
Yeah, it was this, this week. Very like, topical. Very top. Okay, it, yeah. it, not not to justify ourselves. Very topical because we got the AU summit. Yep. France is pulling troops out of Mali. Yep. I mean, it's it's been building for a while, but it was official this week. If they complete, but yeah. Yesterday, Mali was like, "Yeah, you got to get out yep. ASAP," and like we we mentioned the Macron and the Ukraine situation yeah. a few times we, to, like, yeah we mentioned this. that also like mali and the wagner group there were also adding a, like a dimension to the macron putin discussions that weren't there for schultz and putin or yep. biden and putin yep and like even macron's ambitions to like lead the eu block uh, yep. within this whole western nato u.s alliance is like not unconnected to france's ambition to be like no we we have this like colonial yeah uh, uh, neo-colonial hegemony over a certain area yeah like uh one of the parts of we'll probably talk about it later but one of the like main ambitions of france with west africa and the eu has been to basically get the rest of the eu like tangled up in that net as well mm-hmm. uh um just as a like of making france's imperatives making france's goals europe's goals and like tying them into this markish and also helps solidify their hold on it as well while also reducing the costs uh, because one of the things that you hear about like put the the french pulling in a mali is that um one of the things you might have heard beforehand is before that happened denmark and sweden pulled out first and mm-hmm. uh, things like that so it's also where a lot of irish peacekeepers are which i don't know if anyone remembers but a long time ago yeah it was during the uh um like charlie hebdo paris attacks thing mm-hmm. um the article in the eu the the common security article thing the kind of thing that kind of makes the eu like a defensive union mm. um was called by france and ireland's response to that like a lot of people send troops to france basically in this weird anti-terrorism thing it was just to, like show europeanism really it, it was basically nothing but ireland basically did not want to commit to that uh because of our neutrality so we said we will send more pe- to help with this we'll send more peacekeepers to mali to relieve french troops that can go back mm-hmm. to to metropole france um so yeah, we're, it's a big, big old net that we're all tangled up in. Yeah, and the last piece of the puzzle before we get back to the summit is mm. there have been like a string of coups and coup attempts. Oh in yeah, the area. And the more I look into it, like it's easy to be like, oh, something's afoot. Someone's pulling strings. I think it's only logical with the like the changes wrought by Corona and yeah. like yeah lockdowns <laughs> and these glo- global crisis that like yeah, there's like after after shock waves or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Maliku is particularly very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all I don't know. It's all tied up together. So we're gonna been been trying to unpack it and I'm I'm happy to share my yeah. what I've learned with the class. If we sound tired or <laughs> overexerted, <laughs> this is what happens when you make us look at a non European content. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. Mainly more may, more me than Rob, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't like eating all these vegetables. I don't so like it. I'm like a I'm I'm like your dad who refuses to try new food. <laughs> Just like don't make me do it. We have a beautiful uh, chocolate covered vegetable to start with, which is the AUEU summit. So should, <laughs> this, is, this is the that's your entryway. This is the I sugar to make the medicine good. Sugar. I mean, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 definitely like a, a, a fucked up um, Brussels bubble thing that like no one cares about, and like there's a lot to be said about you know the actual utility of these summits happening like do they do anything answer is probably no but they do bring up to the surface again a bunch of stuff about that relationship between europe and africa that um has to like kind of be talked about um it's been a relatively embarrassing summit i can't remember who stated it i think it might have been our boy um josep borel uh, uh, stated that uh, 24 of the EU countries never had colonies in Africa. Uh, uh, and then their press release had to come out later as a correction, being like, sorry, there was 22, not 24. Because he'd basically uh, forgotten, um, I think it was the Netherlands and Belgium. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which they I think- sent they sent out a press a press release saying "fuck you." We did have colonies. <laughs> <laughs> Took it as disrespect. Yeah, and, basically. Uh, oh. Uh, don't like if you can get away with that, Belgium. You should really. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so that's like what? That's like I was gonna say. It's it's like the kid who tells the teacher they forgot to ask for the homework. But that's way worse. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> excuse me. We all we also did colonialism, please. <laughs> miss, miss. I also did a genocide. I turned. Um. Anyway, so <laughs> the four topics i'm going to leave the one that's kind of relevant to what we are talking about today to the end but like uh four main issues i think highlight a kind of like tense relationship between this it's also worth pointing out that much like the eu but like more so and more farcically the african union is largely considered like anti-democratic incredibly far removed from the people that it's supposed to govern uh very functionary very bureaucratic like yeah um a lot of people in a lot of African countries view their uh, uh, democracies or societies as things they basically have no influence over. And that's the national governments, never mind this fucking thing. So take it all with a grain of salt. But some interesting stuff had been said. Um, topic number one, climate transition, which I find quite quite interesting because the African Union is... The EU is basically trying to force the African Union to take on their like standards and regulations about like how to transition to a green economy. Whereas the African Union is like, no, fuck you. We never got to use like gas and oil. Can we use it for a bit to like build ourselves up? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which the, I think is very fair. Yeah. There's something interesting about that, that like some of the pipeline talk reminds me of it, which is, um, I just know a little bit from the shipping world and like, mm. you know, um, like Nigeria, um, Angola, they have like tons of oil. And if they're selling oil to, let's say, China, it's like those are the only two countries who are going to like check the papers to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, all the environmental regulations are yeah. in order. So you can say whatever you want, but it's like they're the only two checkpoints. Yeah. So like, fuck you. <laughs> you, what, you what, what, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not I'm not swinging by uh, <laughs> swinging by fucking Rotterdam to like check in and be like, you want to check uh, make sure everything's good here yeah, with yeah, the yeah. environmental uh, stuff. The. Um yeah, so it's it's a bit of a fuck situation. People also kind of pointed out that like places like Kenya are already on like forty five percent green energy and stuff like that. Uh, tidal, I think mostly. Um, so yeah, it, it's it, there's a lot of like bullshit happening there. It's also a great big avenue to for neo colonialism. For anyone who doesn't understand that relationship, basically the, what the EU kind of hopes to do, or what a lot of EU business interests hope to do, is for there to be like this massive like green economy shock because African Union will be held to uh, developed country standards of transitioning to green energy uh, that they probably won't be able to fulfill right away and then will become incredibly more dependent on foreign companies to do that, like, for them on their behalf, rather than, say, like, uh, you know, a Zimbabwean uh, green energy company, like, actually taking over the green requirements of Zimbabwe. Um the pure evil shit. The pure <laughs> fucking evil shit. Oh, good. I was worried. Oh, God. I thought we wouldn't get any evil. So much evil. Uh, the African Union is still begging the EU to waive the uh, vaccine patent uh, um, so that they can produce vaccines and give it to their people. And the EU is just like, no, no. <laughs> um, there's even like, I, I was listening, it was interesting. I was listening to like some very kind of like lib and business. Uh, uh, interest kind of podcasts for like Financial Times, Economist bullshit. And a lot of like economists even agree that this is a bad idea. Not from the like, not even from the obvious like people should get healthy or like healthy people make for a, a decent economy kind of thing, which also makes sense. But they, the the really hawkish thing is like, this would be a great opportunity to for like European business interests to like capture the pharmaceutical industry of Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and like make that like build a pharmaceutical inf- infrastructure there that is very dependent on like European money because mm-hmm. um, we all know how great the pharmaceutical industry is. Yeah, but like British pate voice. The <laughs> thought of them people getting off a of military, these bunch of people in lab coats getting off a of military <laughs> helicopter. Our intrepid innovators are here to bring <laughs> the future. We uh, we go to this now. African-owned business started by this African man, Glaxo Smith Klein. 
Um, and the last little interesting point is there's been a diversion uh, of investment into Africa from Europe um, in a really relatively sick and twisted way. Uh, a lot of aid over the last decade to Africa from Europe has been pulled. We can talk about how like useless aid tends to be, but like has been pulled in favor of that money being redirected to build up border forces and Frontex mm. to stop primarily Africans from coming into Europe. Um, so yeah, a lot of African leaders, the irony of that is not lost in them. Yeah. And the African summit was also a great example for a great time for a lot of African leaders to tell um, the EU that they're, what's it called? I think it's like golden gate or gateway or something like that. A uh, uh, project sucks shit when compared to belt and road. Mm. Uh, like there's just like no, there's the EU, tried to make a competitor to Belt and Road for Africa uh, investment and development, I think called Golden Gateway or something like that. And Africa is just like, nah, this this sucks. There's mm. nothing here. We're going to go with China. Kieran can't even remember the name of your program. No. Everyone knows Belt and Road. Everyone knows Belt and Road. <laughs> they, 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 they're like, they're doing, we're doing it on Silk, we're doing it on the Silk Road. That's the thing everyone knows. Mm. Well, this is Gateway. Fuck you. Should have called it Roman Empire 2 or something. <laughs> I mean, then then you're getting on to something. Roman Empire 2. <laughs> Look, all of North... Yeah, Morocco applied to join the EU. You know that? Really? Yeah, back in like oh. the 70s. All right. Yeah, but then they were like, no, you're not European. And I was like, I could have done, could have done Roman Empire 2. I know, right? All the, right? Could have had the Maghreb in on this. God damn it. Um, so the fourth thing... Yeah. And this is like, I don't know how much they talked about it at the summit, but the underlying dynamic between especially, let's say, EU and AU cooperation is security. I mean, mm -hmm. any state, especially lately, is about all about let's get those weapons contracts, let's get training, let's, let's get anti-terrorism. Oh, especially when you're talking about like two sets of politicians so unbelievably removed from the public and their whims yeah. as like the European Union and the African Union. <laughs> They're going to be talking about yeah. cracking skulls. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, they don't have to talk, they don't have to talk about your fucking You can always find something shit. in common, you know? Let's it, <laughs> no, no one's talking about maternity care at this fucking... <laughs> uh, so I think that's, that's an interesting dynamic here where, because you hear a lot of um, like... Literally, the intercept will be like the the coup leaders in Burkina Faso were American trained, and then someone else will be like, "Oh, look, this they were French trained," and then Deutsche Welle is like, "They were Russian trained." It's like, yeah, they're all just training each other because this is like, yeah, they're all about like security, security and anti terrorism and yeah. this and that. And then it's like when your own countries are like, you know, the that is the backbone of like the modern state. I don't think that's a no. that's a stretch to say. So it's like, of course, the like you know people being trained by the Green Berets are like. Yeah, okay, so we're, we're yeah. just going to do the same thing. We're also going to like do a coup, and this that's how we run things. It, yeah, it's also worth pointing out like the reason coups are happening in a lot of these countries is that like um, post-colonial post shit, uh, military is basically the only institution that matters. It's the only one that's actually built up. It's the only one that can like do anything or like exercise its will. The rest are just because that was the only thing that was built up during colonial times is like methods of control and brutalization. Therefore, post-colonial, it's like they're the ones who can actually kick into gear. Like tax office, no, no, that's nothing. <laughs> Maybe like an export, like uh, the port authorities, but like it's the military. The military uh, um, is the one who runs shit. What's an officer's coup in the port authority? The, like <laughs> an accountant's coup. The the the, the teamsters. <laughs> Um, Dock workers. All right, I need you to set because this is going to go faster than the France background. What is the Wagner Group and what is Russia doing? Because I don't even know. Yeah, I hear about them all the time, and I just want to, I want to ask before before we get before we get too deep into it. Sure, because they seem like uh, they seem like a, a fun bunch. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. The Wagner Group is a private... Excuse me, Wagner. Wagner. <laughs> I don't know who it's, if it's actually pronounced that way. I mean, like, okay, yes. It, it's Grupa Wagner, or whatever <laughs> it is in, in, in the actual Russian. Um, the Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart Group. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, I've said it before, and i said it a, a, a million times, but, like, the Germans and the Russians are actually very... are much better at, like, 
transliterating each other's language than mm. like English is. Whenever like the English system of writing Russian words in the Roman alphabet sucks shit compared to the German system. The German system is far better at doing it, which makes sense. They're like historically have been neighbors for a very, very long time. Um, I digress into not talking about language <laughs> bullshit. Um, Got to get one in per episode. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, the Wagner Group is a private military contractor. Um, roughly, last time was checked, they have about like 6,000 on their staff. Like soldiers. Um, they are, like any private military contractor group, evil. Um, filled with a bunch of like terrifying people. Their fucking patch and logo is literally just like, uh, evil looking skull with sharp teeth in like a gun sight mm-hmm. like on, with a little target over it uh, um, yeah at the same time I appreciate the honesty right it's not like some <laughs> bullshit like do gra- like minimalist gra- I mean you're the graphic designer right like, yeah, it's yeah, it looks yeah, like. yeah no, like, less is more no, they do like, what it says in the tin skull <laughs> skull skull is evil <laughs> but also we're going to kill it <laughs> you Uh, get the you get the picture yeah yeah um we shoot at people's skulls the yeah so largely functionally this is a a way like all private military contractors is a way for the russian government to kind of like do some exercises and foreign involvement without being directly involved like it's not the russian armed forces you know like doing that so uh where this was most uh um where this was useful is obviously like eastern ukraine uh the wagner group has believed to be involved in like donbass and luhansk and stuff like that and that who are you gonna call (laughs) and that like gives you know russia kind of plausible deniability about like oh we're not involved that's the wagner group like it's believed that one of Putin's inner circle runs them, which is like shocking only if you don't really know how Russia <laughs> works, because it's like if you're not in Putin's, Putin's inner circle, you're not getting a private military contractor like groups off the ground. Um, but they really cut their teeth. Uh, they really like, you know, grow into their own in Syrian civil war. That is like their uh, um, first major deployment. Like they were involved in like. Ukraine, but a much lesser extent than Syria. Um, all of their like tactics and way of doing things was basically directly inspired by like what America did in Afghanistan. So you know, there you go, uh, because that was an incredibly privatized war. And anything else to say? Uh, they're in the Central African Republic. I mean, yeah, I they're in say. Africa now. Um, we can talk a little bit about that, but before getting into that. Uh, their leader Dmitry Ukin is like big old Nazi. Um, straight up, straight. Yeah, like <laughs> uh, I actually have the picture here. I wanted to show Rob. Oh, he- oh hell yeah, interactive. Yeah, oh, that's that's the leader there. Nice. And, and if you can nice. see, there's the the German eagle, um, and also like the SS epaulets tattooed onto his body. It's really bad, but it does look like he's taking a selfie for a dating app. Yeah, I mean, just a <laughs> fucked vibes. He's on Russian Raya. <laughs> um, yeah, he's 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 bad. Um, but like, okay, so the interesting thing about Wagner Group and why Wagner Group are so popular um, in a lot of like African countries is their track record of like getting the supposed job done is a lot better than like American equivalents like Blackwater. Um, This is something that I feel like is missing like from this conversation about what's happening in Africa of like, oh, why did the, uh, uh, the Junta Malayan government go for, you know, uh, Wagner group and not like Blackwater. And the answer is like Blackwater have just like a record of fucking up a bunch Mm -hmm. of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Um, I can't remember who, but there was an African leader they were hired to protect, and he just like died in his bed. Um, so <laughs> they just check the Google reviews, the Amazon reviews. Yeah, it's, it's like all right, well, I'm gonna order the one with the higher, more stars. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, uh, despite Utkin's like 
Nazi leanings, he does actually seem to, um, what would you say? Like actually get his men to do the shit they're ordered to do. There's, yeah. Mm. I, I haven't heard of any like, like the things they're ordered to do are heinous. Mm. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but they do carry them out. They're not incompetent. It's not like a, um, whatever that fucking group was called, Silverwater or whatever the fucking uh, Americans who are captured like by Venezuelan fishermen. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know what they're called. Yeah, I forgot what they're called. That was a private military contractor group as well. Like it's it's they seem competent. Um, I've also heard tell that people think that um, the term jihadism is kind of thrown around a bit with like Africa, and uh, I've heard, although I'm not, I'm not sure how much I ascribe this uh, to being true, that. Amongst African countries uh, uh, and like people in African governments, Russia's viewed as actually handling jihadism better mm-hmm. than a lot of uh, uh, Western countries. Yep. Um, because despite Russia's large Muslim population, they haven't really had the same, um, you know, level of attacks as the UK, America, or France. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I. You can get really conspiracy brained about that and go that a lot of them that happened in, you know, those last three countries I mentioned were allowed to happen for like strategy of tension reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is possibly mm-hmm. a little bit of a blowback from that. Mm-hmm. But um, that's maybe a bit too conspiracy brained for this. Even on its surface level, they seem to have some point. Yeah. Um, there's also, you can talk about like how um, the Russian Muslim population is like, yeah, I'm Muslim, and then just like downs a bottle of vodka. <laughs> like they're not, uh, uh, they're very, very secularized Muslim population. Um, yeah, but I guess they could look at like places like Chechnya and stuff. Like, yeah, but like that was solved by like co-opting the government yeah. effectively. Like you can be jihadist, but like, well, we're in control of you. Yeah, I mean that's the strategy. News, news you can use. <laughs> yeah, it works, I guess. Um, um, yeah. So yeah. they're gonna they're gonna swing back into the end of our story, but we got to get into the France stuff because yeah. they have the longer history in the this West Africa Sahel region we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I we don't have the time, and I literally cannot describe all of French colonialism because I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the, where I want to start is post World War II with the like the the decolonization which was absolutely not like a smooth or straightforward process and mm-hmm. see the algerian uh revolution and yeah see and Vietnam, see everything but anything that was allowed to actually quote-unquote decolonize was under very controlled circumstances yeah, yeah yeah so that's where you get the the i mean the 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 currency is a big thing the cfa wanna, frank the cfa frank which yeah. i want to come back to which is still in use in tons of these countries but what i find interesting is and relevant for today is specifically the fifth republic and de gaulle's like new system and the centralization of power under the president yeah because part of this whatever this uh, france afrique is like honestly i don't know if this is a bad analogy literally all i was thinking of was a line from arrested development where they're like there's always money in the banana stand <laughs> like there's always <laughs> the things are going bad in france you know there's always there's always Absolutely. west africa yeah uh, i can't remember <laughs> i can't remember if it was actually de gaulle or mitterrand who said that like um every euro like um they wouldn't have said euro but the the point still sounds is like every euro made in france uh, 80 cent of it 80 cent of it is african mm. effectively like it's very openly been just like yeah this is the this is the piggy bank mm-hmm. yeah and what's interesting about de gaulle is that they centralize like that the system is in place because they're colonial legacies there's new systems to you know keep things in place even yep. as decolonization progresses france and- also does not lose all of its colonies like immediately after world war ii like no. the, a lot of this is no, being no, set no. up while they're still technically in control of these places yeah so yeah, um, it's mostly the '60s that are around. Like that's when the wave of like independent stuff starts happening. Sixties, seventies, quite recent. Mali was definitely the '60s. We also can't forget the fact that De Gaulle comes to power during like a crisis in the in the Algerian Revolution, and like literally what he promises, especially over the like hardcore OAS <laughs> <and> generals <laughs> and stuff, is like we we will manage France Afrique. 
going forward like this yeah. is the new strategy yeah and part of that is this inner circle of it's called like the african cell like it's like the inner circle of like this is where african matters are discussed like within just around the president and it's like a small circle of advisors and not like the foreign ministry or whatever yeah and like that's mostly right. business interests Fr- france french gladio episode coming up <laughs> like it's, oh god it's like yeah. that's just like yeah let's let's be efficient about it let's, let's, let's get let's get the power players in a room we don't have to go through all that government bullshit we're all just get together in the palace hash it out is, uh, uh, very good at two things which is one it's very good at just like telling you like very brazenly how this like social democracy thing is going to work and <laughs> it's like we're going to we're going to treat like africa as like a sippy cup to be like sucked dry and discarded um the other thing is they really do love like cells and circles <laughs> and like we love like a close-knit group love a yeah. love a cell um and that is a permanent f- feature of i think de gaulle's guy i forget his name but he like sticks around for a future i think he, uh, chirac brings him back mm. um as like a, you know almost like an elder kissinger style like advisor oh, yeah. um Mitterrand is hilarious because his son is like the like in the He's like the Jared Kushner of the, of the, of the crew. He's like, yeah, he gets he, he gets nabbed for like a, a selling selling, weapons, R, selling to... weapons in Angola yeah. with a Russian guy, which yeah. is somehow yeah. not sure what's going on there. Something behind the scenes we don't quite know about. It's also, he's selling weapons to that government after the Civil War, which yeah, I find I, very strange. Yeah, it's just yeah. What are and, you using them for? And that's all to say. There's like continuity. We have to go back and talk about Libya, but like right up to Macron, where Macron yeah. has this really interesting continuity and break with all of this like overwhelming emphasis on continuity because his breaks are like oh we're gonna release files on sankara i'll be like yep we assassinated that person <laughs> or like we were somehow involved in that um returning like stolen stuff just things like that yeah Macron, uh, yeah and macron yeah. announces like a new presidential council on africa but it's like it's still just a presidential council it's just another name <laughs> yeah. for the, like slightly formalizing this like backroom stuff but yeah still under completely under macron's control and also like we mentioned earlier macron is also as a part of this like the same um this stuff got like the same media attention this was part of it of just like also roping in the rest of europe into this project uh, and entangling them in it like literally in such a way that you just like it would be like we want to get we want to get you involved in this not in a like tit for tat kind of way but a literal like you will be so heavily entangled there will be no way for you to leave and that's worth pointing out again that macron has probably been the most like bullish about defense in europe and that's what this is like largely an aid of Mm -hmm. uh if france is the one leading like europe militarily then guess where the fucking we're sending the polls to fucking burkina faso or whatever the fuck or shad or niger or whatever um unless you have to say want to say anything about the cff franc quickly i would jump to 2011 because macron's not starting from scratch no and 2011 <laughs> was macron still... is the first guy to go into yeah, africa yeah. from france uh, <laughs> he might tell himself that we're oh he might yeah he can tell himself a lot um, of... so it was still sarkozy right in 2011 um uh, no 2011 would have been um beginning of Hollande, surely are we gonna we're gonna pause? We we'll have right to look that, look, up. It up. Yeah, look that up. Yeah, look that. I'm pretty sure Sarkozy because he had a weird frenemies uh, with uh, with uh, Gaddafi. But yeah, I, can, I you can look that up, and I'll talk about the CFA Frank because I think a lot of people, maybe Americans, I, I also find this is like a, a, actually a case of just like decently left wing people here don't really understand how the CFA Frank works or what mm. it is. The you know to say the line France does fucked up shit in Africa. Uh, but we don't really know the details. And here's some of the details. Um, so the, the, the CFA franc is a uh, uh, two common currencies, actually, um, spread across 14 countries in largely West Africa. And there is the, uh, um, there's the Western African franc, and then there's the Central African franc, um, basically going along that kind of country they're kept in parity but they're not actually the same currency and they also have a they're kept in parity and they're effectively pegged to once upon a time the franc in france but now also the euro um so how this fucks africa uh specifically so 
France has a de facto veto on monetary decisions by this like uh, uh, central bank. This would be the uh, um, the BCEAO, I think is the name of it, is the the, multi- the place that conducts monetary policy for the West African franc. They actually have, uh, there is a French representative, is a voting member on that board, but the head of the West African uh, Economic and Monetary Union the actual collection of countries that use this country, this currency is not a voting member of that board. He's like there as a, a advisory capacity. He just like sits in on the meetings. He doesn't have a vote. Um, just, just, that's like very on the face. Like France runs the shit. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. The monetary and exchange rate values are uh, of the nations are dictated by the European central bank, whose monetary policy, as we've talked about before, has like an anti-inflation bias, which is good if you're a developed economy or good-ish um not good if you're an economy trying to grow um so this kind of like stops um integration between the nations uh, that all use the same currency which you think is the main point um defenders of the cfa frank tells you that's like the plus of it you know like oh a group of african nations are all using the same currency that allows them to like punch above their weight on the global stage it's like nope complete lie um <laughs> They can't do a lot of like actual bank lending uh, uh, independently. The also encourages massive like capital to just like leave the country, and also into the more parapolitic stuff. A lot of African leaders have been killed by French Foreign Legion for threatening to leave the CFA franc historically. Mm. Um, just to let you know who runs this, yeah. <laughs> I believe. Uh, a leader of Togo was like basically ousted and killed oh. by a French-backed coup uh, once upon a time for threatening to leave uh, the CFA franc. Um, it completely, completely strain uh, uh, puts them in handcuffs. Uh, in a way, maybe similar to the euro and how that relates to like the periphery, like Greece and stuff like that. But like just more expressly, like the euro at least has a core mm-hmm. that's like benefiting. No one in Africa is benefiting from this. The core is France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's not even the franc itself. It's a separate pegged yeah. currency. Yeah. So there's there's not even like a German equi- there's not even a Germany equivalent in the CFA franc zone. It's just everyone getting fucked. Um, speaking of people getting fucked, yeah. in 2011, when Sarkozy was still president, oh, okay, 2012, cool. well, it's obvious, 2012 election, 2017. Yeah, okay, cool, okay. cool, cool. Um, it's obvious. I Sarkozy, <laughs> Sarkozy was, yeah, I didn't mean to. Um, Sarkozy was, like, in France, was big behind the, the NATO intervention. Like, they were really pushing mm. for that. And I think you can see a direct line from that. Like, it, it basically unfolds because... That's just one piece of the ongoing, like, unfolding of, like, new radical, you know, reactionary yeah. um, movements, like, Islamist movements across um, Northern Africa, um, but also, like, you know, political change in the country mm. and, like, the aftermath of uh, the Arab Spring, 2008 financial crisis, all of that. And so, like, France pushes for the overthrow of Gaddafi and then also, like, is the first country to like go in and like deal and like put troops in Mali, which is partly an after effect of the Libyan. Yeah. Uh, the, the coup in Libya. Oh, like Libya is the, the linchpin of a lot of this basically. Cause like, yeah. yeah, the reason like the military is taking control and stuff like that is because Libya is this massive security risk to like every country on like half a continent basically (laughs) and the like and also the algerian civil war in the 90s like also plays a part in this and so france like it's not it's not a coincidence that france is the first country to like go into mali in late 2012 um to stop yeah to to stabilize the government basically yeah um and i think that mostly happened in 2013 and then around the same time the un comes in with like it's forces that i think are, are some literally under french command but they just send them they just add there yeah. that's why you see like those call of duty ass looking ads around germany being like molly we're doing it something's yeah, happening yeah, yeah, yeah. um and then that expands in 2014 to this operation barcane that's like in the the five the g5 sahel countries which are chad niger burkina faso mali and mauritania mm. 
did that from memory. <laughs> good job. <laughs> that, that's good. <laughs> that's everyone in the the West African CFA, Frank. No, no, no. There's there's a bunch of others like further south that are like Guinea and Guinea Bissau and all those. They're all have oh, okay, okay, and they all have coups going on, but they're not. They're like a, because they're just south. That's like a buffer between the yeah, yeah, yeah like okay. yeah, cool. Um, but and so France is there. <laughs> they're they're yeah. running shit. They're doing things, and in Mali in particular, um, they're popular protests. There's rising frustration with the Mali government. Uh, under their their leader uh, his initials are IBK um and like he literally would say things like we we're here to welcome our french partners <laughs> and it's like yeah. no fuck everyone's like fuck you um not not down <laughs> with yeah, the whole like yeah. rising you know uh, and, and it's just in general like there's there's popular unrest yeah the, it's it's a little bit different from the only real difference, I guess, actually between this and, say, like an Afghanistan situation is that there is actually a common language between these people. A lot of the people uh, in these countries can't speak French as the literally lingua franca. Uh, um, so I've heard report that the local population finds these people a little less alienating than, say, like the Afghans did of the American troops or whatever, who all couldn't speak like Pashto or whatever. Um, Excuse me. Pete Buttigieg was there. <laughs> Does he and claim he can, he can speak, speak Pashto? He claims he can speak uh, Urdu. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'll look it up. Real no, quick. no, that's not. I'm important. looking it up. Looking it up. <laughs> but like, yeah. So that that causes an issue, um, that, or that that like alleviates some tension. But it's still like the same bullshit as like the foreign army coming in and claiming they're going to like help and like, um two things is like you know you you claim you're going to come here and stabilize and get rid of like jihadists which as far as i can tell from like a lot of the people on the ground even before these protests were like that's something they wanted dealt with and gone um but then the the issue being is it turns out the french aren't very good at doing that and they aren't doing the other stuff they said they would do which was like give support and train local forces which is always something like liberal interventionists say they're going to do and never do like that happened in iraq and afghanistan as well like no one gets trained um everyone sleeps on that fucking job what i think is interesting about the 2020 coup is like i didn't believe it when when like like there's a jacobin article we can link to that mentions it where they're like the government's didn't call it a coup and i'm like what do you mean and like especially if you look at wikipedia and then you check the reference the actual like sources and they, it's just the mutiny yeah they're like we condemn this mutiny but it's not a coup because we're still keeping our troops there <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. um like you know we got to keep business as usual um i want to jump around a little bit to the, to the other countries but the like exception in all of this like you know the coup the like wave of recent coups is in chad where yeah. The president was killed in like while fighting, like you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rebels. Like, the, the president actually went and go goes Di- and fights. died in battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> which yeah. on the one hand is like, what? That seems kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, not that they died, but just like apparently, right, like gotta, press gotta go fight in battle. <laughs> press like Western press reactions that was just like very funny to watch. But it's a, go back. but it's also like. I don't know. It's a convenient way to kill someone if you want to. If you want to get rid of someone too, oh, yeah, like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he died. Yeah, that's some died on the way to home planet shit. He died in battle. <laughs> but like, yeah, no, no one, no one believed it because they were just like, because everyone in the UK is not like is used to the idea that oh, you'd never send. It's the classic. Uh, like, what was he doing there? What do you, what do you mean? Just... For anyone, for all my, I wish Nick was here. Uh, for all the uh, system of a down. Uh, uh, fans uh, from the like war in Iraq BYOB era well we've answered the question why don't presidents fight the war mm-hmm. Uh- <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean he was a long time ruler of, of Chad and yeah. like according to the constitution like the president of the assembly is supposed to become president but his son just became president Sick. instead and and the, everyone was like nah that's okay like yeah. literally there's quotes from the France foreign minister being like oh I'm gonna read it <laughs> logically it should be Mr. Kabadi but he refused because of the exceptional security reasons that were needed to ensure the stability of this country. Well, the last guy just died. <laughs> so <I wasn't laughs> Literal direct quote of, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he did it. He, he knew for the 
good of the country that he shouldn't be president. Yeah. <laughs> says French foreign minister. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just funny. Like, it's like all this stuff's happening. They're like, no, that one's okay. <laughs> this one's bad. It's fine. But the first Molly one isn't necessarily bad. It's uh, it's not ideal, but uh, we can work with it. Well, yeah, because uh, uh, first of all, one thing I just want to say before we leave Chad is like that guy, the president who dies in battle literally went to Chad Valhalla which mm. is a very fun thing to say Chad <laughs> um, second um, the Mali one is interesting because as far as I understand the coup was conducted by um, the guy who's effectively been in charge of the country forever so as I as I understand it the, uh, um, I might be getting this completely wrong because I'm half remembering this and my brain is much this week because my daughter started kindergarten or like daycare uh, um, okay, it yeah. means I've been getting up she's not your shield but okay no she is uh, she's 100% is I've been getting up far earlier she now thinks you should like, use that one with the bank she, she's, she's she's the one who thinks that like 6am is not an acceptable time to wake up um, days have gone dad <laughs> the um, so my understanding is that this military guy in Mali, it might have been another country, did a military like did a coup ages ago and then made himself vice president. And he's been vice president for a very, very long time. And then the coup in twenty twenty one was him just being like, All right, fuck the guy that like I let be president. Let's do a proper coup and make me president. Which is possibly explains why France kind of like put up with this because it's like, ah, we're still dealing with the same guy who's been pulling the strings the whole time. Am I right in that? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think so. Grand. Because because he was. I mean, yeah, he was the. If, if you're talking about the um, the Goita guy, he was um, or Goita, he was the one who who like led the coup, and like now I'm all flustered. He was um, like then in. Tw- for the 2021 there was like yeah it was like the vice president who because you know there were all these interim president vice president whatever named in the 2020 coup yeah. and the military was like actually the vice president's just gonna run everything and we're gonna you know yeah, do yeah. a coup again but i don't think before 2020 he had run the country now we're now we're bogged down yeah i didn't want to get bogged down in the weeds thanks for that kieran sorry <laughs> um the point is that the 2021 coup is like uh-uh. like this is now it's the no-go um mm. from the Afri- from the eco eco was which is like uh, you know a collection of west african states who have some coordination with each other um yeah. Yeah, economic community yeah like a mi- the, the mini african union on, yeah, on that yeah. level that's the one that shares the currency as well and you might see a different acronym because i think eco was is the like french translation mm. Um, no, that's the English is it? Economic Community of West African States. Oh, okay, never mind. Anyway, the um, um, yeah, the Mali was suspended, and I think some sanctions applied yep. in 2020. And yeah, then a few yeah. months later, they're like, "Okay, you're fine again." And after 2021, it's like, "No, no, no, you're suspended again." And they haven't been unsuspended, and it's been yeah, longer yeah. than three months this and it, it's also worth pointing out that like I, I was watching a lot of like debates in the uh, french parliament about this and like all the worst parties are basically running interference for like saying oh the the our allies in west africa are correct in putting sanctions on this we support their decision to do this <laughs> definitely not like yeah uh, uh, probably our decision or this African cells decision to do this, and then. But it's also confusing because then, if Mali wants to now under this new government, the French are pulling out troops, and Macron is like, "We're going to re," you know, he's if there was something like we're going to put the troops where where they're wanted or something, and just move them to the other yeah. Sahel countries, and the, like I think Niger. So how can it be that much of a like? Then it seems counterintuitive that if the like France like let it happen or even supported the coup. Because now they're when France want its troops there, or maybe they don't. Maybe they want an excuse to leave. But now the Russians, the the Wagner group is going to come in. Maybe, probably. They're, it was so funny to read the quote from the yeah. like the head or like the public relations person for the for, uh, in the Central African Republic. It's, uh, <laughs> It was like, put us in, coach. Like, we're ready. (laughs) We've been waiting for this call. (laughs) Yeah, as far as I understand, uh, uh, one of the other aspects of this is that there is a weariness amongst the actual, like, metropolitan French population. 
um, that they're like actually sick of this. Um, yeah, I don't know though. It, I it, like who, you know. I mean, so, uh, on the one hand, I think that the good rule of thumb is that people don't care about foreign policy; they just want the France Afrique in a vague sense. On the other hand, almost like Trump, I could imagine someone like Zamor being like. I told him it's a dumb war. It's a dumb war in Mali. Yeah. We need. To <laughs> I I I think it's uh I think it's kind of like I think it's I I keep bringing up Afghanistan quite a bit, but I think it's it's comparable to Afghanistan of like, um, like this is still like uh, I think it's still a popular position. I think there's been a lie about what France Afrique is that has been sold to the French population. Like the French, like. I think your lay French person, a French lib, thinks that this is just like, literally like the phrase they use in the parliament, our allies in mm. West Africa, not like a bunch of effectively vassal states that we kind of control. Like, so they do think that this, this France-Afrique should just be like diplomacy and trade, right? And that there's nothing sinister or untoward about it. So you talk to them about troops in Mali and then they've been there for a very long time and they're not seeing any results and they don't really understand why they have to be there in the first place. So I think, I think amongst the actual French public, I think you're right that it's more like, I don't care. Like if it continued, I think they would probably vote the same way they were going to vote anyway. Like, I don't think it's going to make like a huge difference, but it does feel like comparable to Afghanistan that way where like, even after the media ran interference for like saying this was the, a terrible decision, Joe Biden shouldn't have done this. It was still like American population was like, yeah, good. It's we're done. We don't need to be there. Um, unless they're too CNN brand. Yes, exactly. <laughs> there's definitely like, there's, I, I, there's a France 24 brain or whatever it is like, uh, just sure exists. And so now with whatever's going forward, sanctions from the other economic, the other, the surrounding countries, yeah. um, but crucially, not some key surrounding countries that give it a little path to the to the ocean. Yeah. Um, there's a quote from Reuters that sums it up. Uh, when France intervened in Mali in 2013, its fighter jets were key to halting the Islamist advance. Nine years later, those same warplanes in November were dropping flares to warn off civilians blocking French military convoys. So, <laughs> oh, how the tables turn. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I want to talk about really quick two, the two other countries that have been suspended and sanctioned by the African Union and Economic Community of West African States. First, I'll do Guinea because that one's a, um, a little bit more straightforward. So there are two cases of like presidents trying to like do an illegal third term. Yeah. And the Ivory Coast was successful. And so that's a coup because they he successfully like amended the constitution and yeah. the opposition parties boycotted and he's still president. And in Guinea, there's a coup to stop the president from having the third term. And now there's a um former member of the french foreign legion also french citizen his wife is active duty member of the french gendarmes who are the new they're running the, yeah. the military junta it's a little unclear there should be elections soon um this guy mamade dumbuya was actively trained by u.s green berets Hell yeah um even the new york times is like admitting it and writing like, <laughs> articles about it um yeah he's there and he even met with um the head of the Mali coup. Oh, right. Like they okay. were, they, you know, they, hang out. They, they, they recognize each other from class. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> um, they've all, they've all trained together. Yeah. Um, they're all in the same programs. Were you at the, uh, college poor fancy boy? <laughs> <laughs> so Gu Guinea seems like the least offensive to people, but at the same time, they're still under sanctions. Mm. Um, and between Guinea and Burkina Faso, the third country, Mali can still like use the port. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, the sanctions and borders are closed, but like there's a line of something going on. Burkina Faso is the most recent one. Um, just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. People like, like the articles were claiming that no one had heard of the movement, the patriotic movement for safeguard and restoration. Um, MPSR. Like, I don't like that, but go on. <laughs> they're just, and again, he's like French trained, American trained, the main guy. Um, Demibus, his name. Um, there are they might also like so on the one hand everyone people pointed out that like it was timed very suspiciously with the sankara trial which sure. again france released new information that you know there's a reason there's like, sankara like, was burkina faso right yeah, yeah. and yeah. so there was uh, new information that was going to come out and apparently it's been postponed to march now the trial so 
don't know what's happening there. So that sounds all like France brained, but like a lot of the protesters are seen like with Russian flags, like at the pro coup marches. <laughs> and Russian liaison is like, we're ready. <laughs> like, let us know. Uh, I got a quote here from the US. Quote, the Department of Defense is aware of the allegations that the Russian-backed Wagner Group may have been a force behind the military takeover in Burkina Faso. Mm. And that might be true. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, I have no idea what to make of that. It's just all hanging out there in the ether. Because at the same time, maybe France needs an exit plan. And they're like, you know, Macron just wants to get in the room with Putin. And then we can figure out what's, we can figure out this Burkina Faso situation. Well, I, yeah. We also can't have this like stationed troops there forever. We got to, we have, have to have to our, our own exit plan that provides continuity for our precious france afrique yeah or possibly your afrique or possibly ooh, ooh, yeah, ooh. dare to dream yeah you know, in a certain french man's brain yeah so uh, there's a lot to be said about like if we're talking about wagner group again um especially from the african perspective i think a lot of them don't view russia as having the ambitions or even ability to like have as much control over them as the uh, uh, Western European countries, let's say. Or they're just trading partners. I don't know. It's something, it, it also gets into like the China, Russia, US, Europe, like all of the like, what is global hegemony today, which is like, yeah, you know, some people are like, oh yeah, we just want regional power and, tra- and trade opportunities. Yeah. And who has the like, it's like, it's almost like the US even Europe, not really. Maybe Macron. The U.S. is the last one in the room being like, they're trying to do a global empire. And it's like, you're the only one, to- only one talking about a global empire, bro. We're all just like making our, yeah, our yeah. regional alliances and the, like trying to make some money. The China, like literally the Chinese foreign policy goals, uh, uh, the, the long view of it is the multipolar world. Like China, like despite what a lot of like, propaganda doesn't even say this it's just assumed by american population or like pundits because that's what america does so they have to assume anyone that challenges america does something similar china doesn't really have any ambitions of like global hegemony i I don't think they think they can do it Mm -hmm. um so yeah they they are really just going for this um everyone gets their spheres of influences amongst the main players and we all kind of like have this tense but reluctant respect for each other mm. type of thing um yeah like it, it could end up being lo- looking like i don't know a four to five way cold war but like which would just be like kind of stupid but it, yeah whatever um yeah i i think there's a lot to be said about um i've heard people make talk i don't know enough about it but that like america in general has just kind of like dropped the ball in regards to africa um that they just didn't really have much of a a a plan there um they they fucked around during the cold war obviously and they stopped like um what patrice lumumba in like congo and stuff like that that. also that was like a joint mission too yeah there's a german mercenary who like went on german tv like did interviews in germany bragging about it yeah yeah Yeah, but actually that that's that's it isn't it like the American strategy of like Africa has almost been just like we've got a guy in Berlin, we've got a guy mm-hmm. in I know a guy Paris, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the Europe was their like point guard for that, while like America's more direct involvement was maybe like I don't know Southeast Pacific and like Latin America, obviously. Yeah, I don't want to get sidetracked, yeah, but it's something I've been thinking about and might as well. And, I went through all my notes. <laughs> yeah, let's go. And I think it's something with like, it gets into this thing of like, why, even though like Russia, the fear of Russia and like Western Europe and what Russia could be doing and Putin hates democracy is like, no one really believes in like a world system anymore because like everyone, like, like the US also deep down and even not so subtly says like, yeah, we're also just going to reassert our regional power in in the americas maybe in the pacific and like like, yeah but they do that by defining an uh, an enemy rather than saying it outright but it's like here's what i was thinking about i think under like capitalism created a global system and so it was like and it was only like the communist movement that literally like little global communism was like okay this exists let's all 
there needs to be a global unity to like you know overthrow the system yeah. that dominates us and i think the u.s and the cold war and you know all the cold capitalist cold warriors the mindset was global because the enemy was global mm-hmm. but there's nothing inherent in the like capitalist logic to be like yes this is a global that's yeah. almost like post-global because they don't the only thing driving them was like a defense or you know this like fear of like oh it's like gonna be a global takeover and so it's like it 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 um it turns into you know haggling it's like okay we'll take this regional power and this and that yeah in this multipolar world and i think that's because people this it's like so easy to think in those patterns like even like the idea of like we're gonna save the world and it's like operating on that global scale is like a thing of the past and part of the reason it's a thing of the past is because it was this idea tied towards the revolutionary you know workers and uh um anti-colonial and anti-imperial movements that are like of a different form now or they're dormant or you know i don't know but like i think that i don't know clarifies things for me to realize like of course this is all just like regional um jostling you know and and posturing because like no one really believes only your enemies are like trying to take over the world and the only people even thinking about like the world can work together in like unity and in an actual like alliance was like you know a revolutionary idea that is like you know i don't want to say come and pass but come and we'll come back in a new way but i think that has to be that's the only like theoretically that's the only idea that actually has the the pretense to even claim that like no, no no everyone in the world can get, can get on board with this it's not like just yeah. you know you're with us or you're against us like like when you say when i hear you say that and talk about that i'm thinking specifically of just the like um the 90s in particularly like that kind of um world music uh 90s capitalist internationalism kind of thing mm. i was just like hey oh hey oh, uh, like that that kind of like and there'd be a dance beat underneath it yeah. uh, like that that kind of bullshit of just like well end of history stuff like capitalism is one it's just gonna be this everywhere um implicit in all of that of course was america runs this um but now i think um I forgot the name of the guy who wrote the like long 20th century. Um, uh, yeah. I said it real German. He did. <laughs> um, but like he, he kind of makes the argument that, that that fell apart in like, he says it's like 2002 or no. Yeah. Yeah. 2002 where like America can't even get Germany and France to go into Iraq with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says like, okay, that's, that's it falling apart. That's the, that's the, what he referred to as like terminal crisis. Like there's no coming back from this, um, and yeah, I I think you're you're possibly right that like you connect those two things together of just like yeah that's the terminal crisis that leads us to, um, no matter how much there is caking and screaming about it, it just kind of feels like the multipolar world is inevitable at this point, mm-hmm. and the only real theater of operations for that is probably going to be Africa. Um, mm-hmm. because I think every other part of the world is spoken for, basically, right? Because you're like we talk about the poles. We have like Russia, China, um, Europe, uh, USA, possibly India, right? Yeah. Um, India is a bit of a basket case at times. So China gets a lot of East Asia. America probably, when threatened, will just like really, uh, um. It's like buckle down on Latin America. Like the idea that Brazil is actually going to be a major part in this is a complete fabrication. I think that like Brazil will always have to be compliant. It can't be a power in its own right. It has to be compliant to America. Um, in this kind of view of the world, um, yeah. And then yeah, it's just a case of like kind of an interesting thing of like what does Russia get versus what does China get? There's a real chance that Russia is just going to become like this military wing of china through like america's desire to paint them as one enemy that's working together they'll force them to become one enemy that's actually working together and maybe australia will vie to be like the regional power of like tonga <laughs> like, like, i don't know like some uh, a hodgepodge of like south pacific islands yeah um yeah and then africa is the only real uh um 
battleground. I think maybe China recognizes that, which is why China's in there. Russia goes in there. Europe will definitely want a peace. There's no there's no country in Africa that could try to really be a great power because um due to a lot of like you know global white supremacy no one really wants to work with or prop up south africa anymore and egypt is too much of a basket case i think that's the other competitor maybe nigeria um but all of those are like middling powers at best like all those countries can kind of hope to be like to reach the level of italy basically (laughs) that's like that's like if if nigeria becomes italy that's like a good day basically um they're not going to become france or great britain or america yeah it sucks it kind of sucks (laughs) will it be better than what we have currently or what we had before in the world music bullshit fascism global 90s whatever the fuck like maybe Hmm. i don't know it's just like it seems obvious almost that it's the natural state of capitalist order whether it's like the original like european colonization or the like the meeting in berlin to carve up africa it's like yeah that's how capitalism works it's like these competing multi multipolar things and even the idea of like yeah fucking un like was like if you take it to its conclusions it has to be like a revolutionary thing because that's like it's like even the like globalization stuff is like it was never really meant to exist in a actual political sense it's just acknowledging it's like nihilistic almost it's just acknowledging the state of affairs in like a you know like it's it's not quite sorted out like what is real about it and what's not because you know it's not real in the sense of oh yeah of course we're all part of one global it also, um, it's, it's a global system that is completely this like abstract form of domination that's covered up by the multipolar you know the states actually operating yeah and so like you know call it call it a global calling it a global system is almost like taunting you it's like and you can't even touch it on anywhere close to a global level so like yeah, yeah. and like the, it, it also like a lot of the lies of globalization which you still see like people who are like reactionaries for the 90s like the volt types or like people who are in parties that are actually more important or serious um saying like who believe that globalization was actually going to be this thing that brought prosperity to uh, other parts of the world even though they're being like actively exploited i was like that's not going to happen unless you believe in this like you know this kind of like musical chairs version of globalization where like okay we've built up nigeria and now nigeria is exploiting turkey Mm-hmm. <laughs> and things just swap a little bit and you, for this half a century you get to be the exploited and they're the exploiter um but yeah and also i think this multipolar polar thing also solves the um frontier problem of capitalism of like always needing the new frontier mm. because if one pole of the world becomes a bit closed off to your pole well then one day maybe you jury rig that open and there's a new frontier of mm-hmm. like the, the the Chinese market finally accepts Facebook or some bullshit uh-huh. like uh-huh. yeah alright yeah well I gotta run yeah that's fair but, uh, that was interesting <laughs> 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 more talk on the multipolar world coming yeah. soon to you um, if you or a loved one are affected by multipolar world order <laughs> please subscribe to Corner Shpeti <laughs> Call the Africa cell. We'll sort that right quick for you. Um, yeah, announcements. Uh, obviously, some people seem to forget this. We have a Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash corner spatey and you can uh, uh, get an extra bonus episode a month. We also started uploading all of our episodes onto YouTube. Woo, we we thanks, know some Kieran. people liked listening there. I don't understand you, but I'm going to cater to you. Um, that's fine. And other than that, we will catch you on the bonus feed uh, next week. Ciao, ciao. Bye.